0: It's the Progress Pod, a production of the Franklin County Coalition for Progress. I'm Pete Mazzoni with Jeremy Kate. As a nation, there are few investments that can compare with the one we make in educating the next generation of Americans. Young people, cliche or not, are the future. And if we neglect to fund their educations, we do so at our own peril. On today's program, we will discuss school funding and what is being done to fix this growing problem. Our guest is Susan Spica from Education Voters PA. Thank you for joining us, Susan.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Let's uh, start out with telling us a little bit about your organization and what you do.
1: So, Education Voters of Pennsylvania is a statewide nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. We were founded back in 2008, and we work with in coalitions and we work with individuals who care about public, strong public schools in every community. And so, we work a lot with grassroots advocates in promoting the value of public schools in their communities. And then also, um, in recent years, we have had to uh, work beating back the special interests that would like to privatize our public schools, and Mm -hmm. so we do a lot of work in that area as well.
0: And this is statewide?
1: Statewide, yep.
0: Okay, but you live in Shippensburg?
1: Yeah, I live in Shippensburg, uh, right on the edge of Cumberland and Franklin counties.
0: Okay, and what got you uh, involved in Education Voters PA?
1: So in 2011, I was a happy stay-at-home mom and then heard Governor Corbett announce that he was going to cut $1.2 billion from public education. And so a group of parents got together in Shippensburg and we went to our school board meeting made little homemade t-shirts that said education you get what you pay for and our school board members looked at us and said don't you understand if we lose a million dollars from the state if the in state funding we can't make that up at the local level we're going to have to make some significant cuts in programs and services for students in Shippensburg so Parents in Shippensburg went to Harrisburg and we held a mock bake sale and we said if we want to make up the $1.2 billion that Governor Corbett plans to cut from our schools, we would have to sell 2.4 billion cookies at a bake sale. That's a lot of
0: cookies. That
1: was a lot of cookies. And so (laughs) it was at that event that I met with um, representatives from Education Voters of Pennsylvania and they helped us build a small grassroots organization in Shippensburg. And then just over the years, I got more involved with Ed Voters and then ended up taking over the organization about three years ago.
0: Over that seven year period, uh, what trends do you see happening?
1: So you know when when schools went back to back in session after losing a billion dollars in funding, so
0: that cut did happen.
1: yeah, we they lost a billion dollars. Some of it was stimulus money that was eliminated, others was state funding that was eliminated. Can um, I
0: ask what was the justification?
1: So Governor Rendell had used stimulus dollars um, to replace state education dollars when during his last few years in office. Okay. And then the stimulus dollars went away. Right. Now, no one ever imagined that this basic education funding that had been backfilled with stimulus money, that, that a new um, administration would come in and that they would remove those dollars. Those dollars were recurrent in a recurring funding stream basic education money funding. that was needed it was money that was needed it was money that that school districts were spending but when governor corbett came in he said well the stimulus dried up so we're going to take it out and then they also cut what we call the charter school reimbursement line item which was 220 million dollars so when school just dist- when a child goes to a charter school the school district pays tuition for that student mm-hmm. and the state when they enacted the charter school law said we understand that that's going to put a financial burden on a school district to have to pay tuition for kids to go to charter schools. So we will provide a, a reimbursement of 30% to school districts to help make up for the money they're losing to charter schools. Well, in 2011, when Governor Corbett came into office, he eliminated that charter school reimbursement, which then hoisted a massive amount of um, increases onto local taxpayers. because So
0: individual districts were now responsible for the full freight of the charter school. Yep. Okay. Yep. Interesting. And that
1: was hidden in that cut.
0: Okay. And so, you know, since that time, have things improved?
1: So I would say, yes, things have improved. So we have seen more money go into schools since then. And we, you know, Governor Wolf fought has fought tooth and nail to get hundreds of millions of dollars back into public education. But that cut was devastating. And um, we're still kind of trying to catch up to where we were eight years ago. So when we look at um, school districts, they are, many of them are fundamentally different today than they were eight years ago. So students who graduated are watching their younger brothers and sisters come through schools with radically fewer opportunities than they themselves had. Mm -hmm. Um, And Harrisburg, um, you know, we have a Republican legislature that really truly controls the shots, and they have really been unwilling to invest the money that we need into our schools to give our kids the opportunities that they, they need.
0: Now, on your website, you indicate that we are 46th in uh, state versus federal funding.
1: Right. So Pennsylvania ranks 46th in the nation in terms of the state's share of K-12 education spending. So Pennsylvania, our state government provides about 38% of what it costs to educate children in the K-12 system. And the national average is close to 50%. So what that means, it means two things. One, when the state's cheap, local communities have to pick up the tab, So that's why when we're in Franklin County, and especially in Chambersburg, we see property taxes going up year after year after year after year.
0: They just went up again for the 2018-2019 school year budget, didn't they?
1: Right. They have to, because if either local districts raise property taxes or they have to cut Cut, programs and services, that's the only thing to do when the state is so cheap. Um, The other thing that this when a low state share does, is it creates a system of haves and have-nots. Mm-hmm. And so incredibly wealthy communities, so if you go down to southeastern Pennsylvania, you go into the area that has the King of Prussia Mall, right. that King of Prussia Mall is paying a lot of property taxes. Yeah. And so it's not even, you know, those. there are school districts that spend $28,000 a student per year, and then there are school districts that spend $13,000 a student per year. So we have the largest gap between, you know, high and low spending districts, and it's all based on local property values. Right,
0: and this goes to what Governor Wolf talks about as the formula. Right, yeah. Talk a little bit about that, what the formula is and how he's trying to kind of uh, adjust it so there's a more equal distribution.
1: Right, so up until this formula was enacted, there were patchwork formulas, but essentially each school district got the state funding that it got the year before plus a little bit extra. So it was called hold harmless. No school district would ever have gotten less than it had gotten the year before. So if a school district lost students, they still got more money. If a school district had a huge influx of students, they only got the small increase. So the formula now takes into account, it actually starts by counting students And it allocates money based on students and student needs. So students who live in poverty require additional resources. Students who are English language learners require additional resources. Communities that are poor and that are really overtaxed require additional resources. So um, any money that's been allocated after 2014-15, that new money will all go out through the formula. Any money allocated before that will stay. So we kept Hold Harmless for like, five or six billion dollars that have been going out but any new money will go through the formula and that over time will decrease the inequities and will drive money to districts that are most desperately in need
0: right so it's going to adjust to make sure that you know these urban school districts or school districts like ours that are growing exponentially are going to see more money right and ultimately the rural school district will see less money
1: they will see fewer increases. They will not lose money, but they will see fewer increases in new funding. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Why do you think Pennsylvania takes the approach it does uh, on the state funding level? Why? It seems like it's a unwillingness to value education and unwillingness to make an investment in ultimately what will be our future leaders.
1: Right. So, you know, um, it's expensive to educate students and we have a legislature that is very unwilling to increase revenues and increase recurring revenues so we have seen year after year when they have to balance the budget they go for one-time fixes Um, we've seen three or four credit rating downgrades in in years recent years we've seen them borrow a billion and a half dollars to pay off debt like we have a legislature that is not made up of a lot of courageous people who are willing to step up and say you know what I understand that investing in children is what we need to do for the state, and I'm willing to take a vote, I'm willing to raise recurring revenues, and and, and that is going to be the path toward prosperity for our state. They're not willing to do that. They just kind of want to keep the status quo and essentially, you know, get reelected. And then, you know, whatever happens, right. And also they know that they, that local districts will do everything they can to make sure that students will get what they need. They know local school boards will raise taxes and they are happy to have local school boards raise taxes instead of raising taxes themselves.
0: As you were saying, not very courageous. Uh, Wouldn't it be more expensive to not invest in students?
1: You know, you would think, right? You would think that lawmakers would start to see that when we graduate students who aren't ready and, and and who go to college and fail out, or who can't go to college, or who graduate and they, you know, don't get jobs that pay well that we are creating an economy where we're not going to have the qualified workers so that businesses aren't going to want to move to Pennsylvania because they're not going to find the worker pool that they want. Or what's even worse is people leave. Young people leave Pennsylvania. So our state is increasingly getting older. You know, And if we want to talk about higher ed, we rank 49th out of 50 in terms of support for higher ed. And we're at the top in the nation in terms of student debt. So not only does this legislature not invest in K-12 education, they don't invest in higher ed. And so we've just got a situation. Where, why would somebody want to move to Pennsylvania to raise a family in the state? You know, and, and what we're going to end up with is in what we're, when we look at the trajectory of our population, we're going to have a whole heck of a lot of old people and not a lot of young people. And, and that's. So,
0: to that point, what's your argument to a retiree who has no children in the system and doesn't want to pay more in taxes?
1: Right, so if I were an older person living in Franklin County, I would want to know that there was going to be a qualified nurse to take care of me when I got older. And I can tell you right now, we have a shortage of nurses. And why do we have a shortage of nurses? Because we don't have enough people graduating who are qualified to go into the nursing profession. We don't have a we don't have a clear pathway to get students into that profession. Um, when we don't invest in in students, they're not going to be able to make money to pay the taxes that we need to pay to support the older people who are going to need those taxes. So like Medicaid in Pennsylvania supports older people who live in in nursing homes and we're going to see Medicaid, we're not going to have money to pay for Medicaid if we don't have young people paying payroll taxes, (laughs) generating revenue. And so what's going to happen, you know, when people need to go into nursing homes and there's no money to pay for their nursing homes, um, that's gonna be an ugly day and and that is gonna be a day that we arrive at in Pennsylvania if we don't get this education problem K through 12 and higher ed fixed.
0: Is this a, a problem that's just always existed? Has there ever been a period where as a as a state or even as a nation we just all agreed this is money well spent?
1: Yeah you know like back in the 70s the state paid at least 50% of what it of, of costs for education and, and I think Pennsylvania I would argue Pennsylvania, in spite of all of this, still has a very, very good K-12 education system. You know, we have teachers who work their tails off. We have dedicated faculty all over the state. Um, But I think we're getting to the point where we're at a tipping point. And if we don't, if the state doesn't make some better decisions, um, we're going to get to the point where schools really start to fail to be able to give kids these opportunities.
0: Where where do we rank as a state in K-12 education? How are we doing?
1: Um, You know, I think that it's based on standardized test scores. I don't have that on the top at the tip of my Mm -hmm. tongue. I mean, our our well-funded, well-performing school districts, you know, are probably in the top of the nation, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, I think that when we start looking at underfunded school districts, we start to see different results. Mm
0: -hmm. And what about the new demands being made, like English as a second language, Uh, The disabilities programs, I mean, what kind of burden is that proving to be?
1: Right. Well, just um, so Pennsylvania, you know, for regular education, for overall spending is very cheap when it comes to paying for special education. The state's even worse. So the state only pays about 23 percent of district costs for special education. And so we've seen over the past 10 years, minimal increases in state funding to fund special education services and about a billion dollars in increased spending on special education services. That's all gotten loaded onto the shoulders of home and business owners who are paying for these increased costs through their property taxes. And so that's another area where lawmakers need to step up because when we have students with disabilities, I was actually last night at the Franklin County Career Tech um, Joint Operating Committee meeting and there were students there and I was reflecting on the meeting that we had in Chambersburg where we were talking about resources and I I learned that um, there are not enough special education resources in in many senses to to provide kids with what they need. So a boy, and I mentioned that, and a student came up to me, he was a high schooler, and he said, you know, I had dyslexia, and when I was in elementary school, I didn't have teachers who could help me. Mm -hmm. And it was so hard, but my parents went in and they fought, and they got somebody to help me. And once she helped me, it made all the difference in my life, but I have two friends who didn't get the help that they needed and they dropped out. And so, when students with learning disabilities don't get the help that they need, you know, it just creates a vicious cycle. And if you can't help them, if you have small enough class sizes when students are little and you have the services you need, you don't even need to have special education services for a lot of them later. But when you have to have kindergarten classes of 25, mm-hmm. then you just create more expenses down the line.
0: What do you think? What, what is the optimum class size?
1: So the model that we used when we were talking about, when we were at this meeting in Chambersburg, the model size for K through three would be 15 students. Mm -hmm. um, So that teachers can really truly provide students with the individual education that they need.
0: Mm -hmm. Is that about where we are or are we bigger than that?
1: Um, You know, I think Chambersburg's doing the best it can to cap their their lower class sizes. I would say most school districts are between 22 and 25. Probably Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure what Chambersburgs are.
2: What... This is Jeremy here jumping in. Um, so there's an undue burden on property taxes on on property owners. Where where do we propose that the money that isn't there, that the state isn't paying, where where does that come from?
1: So, um, you know, we can tax Marcella Shale gas drillers to yeah. generate a few hundred million dollars. Um, we've got corporate tax loopholes. So there's like the Delaware loophole that allows large profitable corporations like Walmart to... Um, Avoid paying their state taxes in Pennsylvania because they open up a little PO box in Delaware and then and do that. So I mean, you could generate hundreds of millions of dollars that way. Um, there's an idea called the fair share tax uh, where you would bifurcate um, taxes and regular income and and wages and interest would be taxed at a slightly lower rate, but income on wealth like dividends okay. would be taxed at a higher rate, so that you could kind of get money from people who can afford to pay more in taxes, you could generate revenue from them, while at the same time, relieving a little bit of the state tax burden on people who are just working families who really can't afford to pay more.
2: Okay, because you do hear uh, that there are proposals out there from some Republicans to increase uh, income taxes, I guess, in order to 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 get rid of property taxes they promise they're going to do. Where what's What's the story with that? The real okay, story? so like
1: so property tax elimination is really, really, really good for really wealthy school districts um, where they have high property where they pay high property taxes and they have high school spending. So if we were going to look at eliminating property taxes in Pennsylvania, almost all of the money would go to about six counties and then and what would happen is in Franklin County where we've got some of the lowest spending school districts in the state we would see the same huge increase in in, in uh, income tax and sales tax right but when they came to reimbursing us for our student costs our school districts would get about $14,000 a student but school districts in southeastern Pennsylvania and and Pittsburgh would get about $28,000 a student so we would actually be paying higher income and sales taxes in Franklin County so that we could subsidize the very, very expensive schools in other areas. Because on top of that, those people are paying $15,000 a year in property taxes. So while we really get like $2,000 a year property tax relief, on our homes, they'd get 15,000 on their homes. So it's a massive wealth redistribution from poor rural Pennsylvania to wealthy suburban and urban Pennsylvania. And um, no one ever really (laughs) explains that to people.
0: What, What is the cost per student in Franklin County?
1: It varies by school district. I don't have it at my fingertips. What's an
0: average for Pennsylvania, would you say?
1: I think the average is probably about Mm $15,000. I do know that Waynesboro is one of the lowest spending districts in the state, and I think Greencastle is as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the Wednesday meeting that you attended. Tell us what you learned.
1: Um, So the Wednesday meeting was Chambersburg had researchers come in who had a model that was a model of instruction for school districts that they know have been very successful in in student achievement, and so these researchers have done this model all over in the state. In um, Pennsylvania, they've done it. Well, they've done it all over the nation, and so they brought this model into Chambersburg, and it was basically looking at smaller class sizes for really young children, and then a lot of um, instructional support from certified. Certified aides and and also having like a lot more helpers like so instead of having a teacher be in the lunchroom and paying a teacher to open ketchup packets you would actually pay an aide a less a lesser amount of money to do that Um, and so we there were representatives from i think every school every school building in the district who came so there were principals teachers and parents there were over 50 people who came out And um, I have to say, I had not realized kind of the deprivation of resources in some of the buildings. So I talked to middle school teachers who said every single class has 30 to 34 students in it. And then at each grade level, there are two special education teachers who offer support to students who need that. Which is- It's a busy
0: environment. It's
1: a busy environment. And I was just struck by how dedicated these teachers were. They were not beaten down. They loved their students. They said they would never go to another building. And then I think the most interesting thing to me was that people have felt in this area for so long that you take what you get and you make the best of it that you don't allow yourself to ever imagine what should be. And so it was very interesting to see the researchers say, but we're not talking about what you have here. We're talking about what your kids should have. Like, imagine what this could be.
0: Well, I think that's because if you go to these budget meetings, all you hear is gloom and doom. Right. And you're, you can't think beyond that when you're being told, we're out of money.
1: Right. That there is nothing and don't ask anymore. Right, and I right. think that's what people have heard for the last eight years. So I think it's time for us to stop talking about what we have. And I think it's what we really need to do is start talking about what our kids need and we need to start building demand and um, I really truly think that if lawmakers have people coming to them and saying look this is what we want for our students this is what our students need look what they're doing now imagine what they could do later Um, we will support you if you will be our advocate in Harrisburg I think they will listen to us but it's going to take a movement of people it's going to take a lot of people going into lawmakers offices to share the good stories Mm -hmm. and then also to say look we really need you to go to bat for our schools.
0: You know, and with a booming economy, uh, you wonder why the money isn't kind of flowing out.
1: Right. Yep.
0: I got to say, the, the not taxing the shale to me is just confusing. I, I just don't understand that. I mean... If they want it, they can come and get it. But guess what? You're gonna you're gonna have to kick it back and pay us. So
2: and is in Pennsylvania the only state that does? I that? I think we
0: are. It <laughs> is. You know, and right. it's.
1: You know, I mean, the the natural gas industry has a, a vice grip on Republican leadership in that building. It is. It is. I don't know, equal to or, or maybe slightly more powerful than the charter school lobby. You know what I mean? Where like,
0: We're going to get to that in a second. But
1: like it is, it's astonishing how much power special interests have in Harrisburg.
0: Do you have a legislative advocate working in Harrisburg, let's call it a lobbyist, or someone who's up there constantly. <laughs>
2: That's you, isn't it? <laughs> I kind of do that.
1: And then we have a lot of parents that we get to go in to talk to their lawmakers. And we usually do it in district offices. So yeah. district offices all over the state.
0: Do you feel like they're listening?
1: Um, you know, I think they are listening. I think that we're getting to the point where um, lawmakers are tired of hearing about higher property taxes. They're tired of having people come in and say, my schools aren't funded. I think we're getting to the point where they're we're going to see some willingness to start funding our schools, Mm -hmm. and I think that's going to be the budget this spring. I think lawmakers want people to like them and see them at the grocery store and be happy to see them, and you know, there's not, what better way to have people be happy to see you than like bringing home, exactly, you brought a bunch of money back to schools, and and, you know, kids got new programs and teachers, so.
0: Right, all right, let's get into uh, the charter school topic. This one's controversial. There are, advocates that will argue that in low-performing school districts, charter schools perform a vital function. Uh, what is your position on charter schools?
1: Um, so so charter schools are here, they're here to stay, and if they're high-functioning, they're not a bad thing, they're a good thing. They should be part of Pennsylvania's educational landscape. Mm-hmm. I guess we're at voters' views the problem is with cyber charter schools. Um, so there are 14 cyber charter schools that have been authorized by the Pennsylvania Department of so Education. Me,
0: allow me to interrupt. I'm sorry. but yep. So what this basically is, the kid stays at home, Right. they get online and they do prepared coursework. Yep. And is there accreditation to these uh, cyber charter schools?
1: So they're authorized by the state. So the state says you are a cyber charter school, you may go and get students and educate them. Is
0: it rigorous?
1: Um, About 35,000 Pennsylvania students go to cyber charters every year. School districts pay tuition for each student. Um, There's a rate for regular education. There's a rate for special education. The rate for special education is usually about double what it is for regular education. And last year, the total cost was $463 million. And that money comes directly out of your local property taxes. In... Franklin County, it was $6.4 million in local property tax dollars that went out to cyber charter schools. And so I guess is the question, are they rigorous? I think that for some families, cyber charter schools are wonderful. So if you're a homeschool parent Mm -hmm. and you want to be home with your children and and this can support you and you're you're on top of your kids and you're really working through their education with them, cyber charter schools are great. Mm the bulk of families who send their kids to cyber charter schools are not those families, unfortunately, and so um, there was a really alarming study that came out by the, um, uh, the Center for Research on Education Outcomes in California, and they found that cyber charter schools When they look at growth, they lose the equivalent of 72 days a year in English language arts, and they lose the equivalent of 180 days a year in math, which is, you know, our school years are 180 days.
0: By lose, what what are you referring to specifically?
1: So when we look at growth, when they... We would measure like how far they grow, and so you want students to have show a year of growth. Oh, okay. And so um, when students go to cyber charter schools, on average, it is like they never went to school. It is like they learned absolutely nothing in math. They lost 180 days of instruction. So and they're going so, backwards. So they're going backwards in cyber charter schools. No cyber charter school has ever met um, the state performance um, standard of of being adequate, like so, when we had the school performance profile, no charters, cyber charter schools ever gotten a seventy. That like the average is a fifty eight, so they're some of the lowest performing schools in the state. And I was just up in Susquehanna County, and a superintendent was saying that um, he has an in house cyber charter school for his students, and usually they would. They were very happy to have, you know, a lot, a lot of families were happy with it. But then when the state a couple of years ago had mandatory attendance even for cyber charter schools in school districts, mm-hmm. once he had to start taking attendance for students there, the families didn't like that they were being called in and that they had to come up with doctor's excuses when their kids wouldn't log in every day. And um, they lost you know 30 students so now he's got a half a million dollar cyber charter bill because families do not want to have any accountability for student attendance there is no accountability for student attendance families get a free computer they get free high speed internet and they don't have to be accountable at all for what their students are doing and well, who so who came
0: up with this brilliant plan
1: That is the state law that our lawmakers <laughs> support
0: Follow the money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So there are families, they're they'll be scheduled to go to truancy court, and instead of going to truancy court, they sign their kid up for a cyber charter school, get a computer, get free high speed internet, and they're they're off the hook.
0: And that in Franklin County you're saying about six and a half million dollars went out? Last year with no accountability.
1: No accountability. And these kids churn in and out, so they'll go out to a cyber charter school and then families realize like that it's not working for them and then the kids come back and they're a year behind and the school has to remediate them and get them back caught up after they've already spent 15 or $25,000 a year on tuition for that kid to learn nothing, and then they come back in.
2: Did that $6.5 million go to Franklin County students or just into one big pot? It went
1: to pay the individual tuition of each student at each cyber charter school. So every school district has 14 cyber charter schools, and they probably have kids in most of them, and then they write a a check to each cyber charter school every month based on the number of students enrolled in that cyber charter.
0: Mm, Not good. (laughs) Now let's talk about... Just charter uh-huh. charter schools. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, what wh- what is Ed voter? PAs what's your position on charter schools that are physical brick and mortar
1: so you know I think that um communities should have the ability to decide whether or not they want a charter school to come into their community and if if they want it to come in I Do think we have
0: any here in Franklin we don't County? have
1: any in Franklin County right. and so like that is I have to say for our school finance is a blessing because yeah. when a charter school comes into a community the the money that you bleed out it would be like probably triple what we're seeing right now um and there are some, cyber, some regular charter schools that are excellent. Um, there are many charter schools that perform far worse than the school district schools. Um, there's very little accountability for how they spend their money. There's very little oversight over um, their operations. They only have to have 75% of their teachers certified. Um, and so like they can be really good. They can also be really awful.
0: Why is there a, such a separate standard applied? to the cyber and the brick and mortar. I don't understand that. I mean, we have a state standard for the schools. Why would it just be non-existent when that's still taxpayer dollars going out? I mean, as a taxpayer, I want accountability no matter where the money's going.
1: Right. So, you know, lobbyists wrote the, cyber char- wrote the charter law back in 2001, and it hasn't changed since then. And um, they don't want it to change. They knew exactly what they were doing when they wrote the charter school law so that these charter schools would be able to have a lot of freedom that school, school districts don't have. Mm-hmm.
0: And the, uh, I think the other issue that comes up is when state money is going to religious institutions, religious right. charter schools. What's your position there?
1: So we are really strongly opposed to that. So we have like, it's the Educational Improvement Tax Credit and the Opportunity Scholarship Tax Credit programs. They funnel $180 million a year out of the treasury and into unaccountable private schools that can discriminate against kids for any reason whatsoever. Vouchers. Vouchers. (laughs) Vouchers. And around here, you know, people love those because so some business makes a what they like to call a donation, but it's a contribution. So they'll say, like, well, I want to go to Cumberland Valley Christian. I'm going to make a contribution to their scholarship organization. So they might write a check for $10,000. They get a state tax credit of 90% 90 back. So they get that back as a state tax credit. And then they can claim a federal tax deduction, charitable deduction. So they basically get all their money back. But it looks like they've given a donation to a school, so they get to go over and take the picture with the big check, mm-hmm. um, and so um, it's just it's just a bad like bad system. There's no accountability whatever whatsoever for that money, um, mm-hmm. and it just means there's less money in the state treasury to spend on things like public education. Mm-hmm.
0: So you have the religious question right. where the state money is going to fund those those situations. Are those schools more high performing?
1: We don't know because they don't, um, the state law actually prohibits collecting any information about student performance from, from private schools. Even, Even when taxpayer the
0: taxpayer money is going. Yes,
1: there. absolutely. It's like it's actually specifically written in the law. And it also prohibits collecting information about who gets those scholarships. So you don't know. It's all, they, they pitch it as it's helping underprivileged kids be able to afford to go to private schools but there's no auditing, there's no record keeping. I think a lot of times it just subsidizes wealthy families who are already sending their kids to private schools. anytime
0: they won't share information, there's a very good reason. Yes. Uh, They don't want us to know for a specific reason. On the bright side, we have situations like here in Chambersburg, we have the career magnet school. Right. um, Which my daughter attends and I'm very pleased with it. Um, Is that a model that's being repeated across the state?
1: Yep. I think that a lot of school districts are, they like to offer a lot of choice within the school district so that you don't have to have choice outside of the school district. And so I think larger districts often will have a magnet school, like a performing arts school or like the career magnet school.
0: And vocational and voca-
1: Yeah. And the career tech center in Franklin County is just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, it's a great opportunity, but, but the problem there is school districts basically pay, pay a share of what it costs to educate the kids there. So School districts are so cash strapped that we aren't sending as many kids to career tech as we could be because we don't have enough money to pay for them. Mm-hmm. And like that is one of the most short sighted things um, that I see about this funding system is I think about all the kids. They get that one shot. They want to be like going to diesel and be a diesel mechanic or they want to go into something and there aren't enough slots. So the kid who wants to do that doesn't get to do it and then misses out on that opportunity for the rest of his life.
0: And that's really unfortunate, because these young people will go out of school and straight into the workforce. Yep. And they will start producing income, start producing tax revenue, and uh, improving the community. Yep. Does your group have any focus on higher education in terms of funding there for the state universities?
1: Um, Yeah, so we, we, it's not a main focus, but... We believe that it's like the public education system starts in pre-K and ends after higher ed. And so we actually support the Pennsylvania Promise, which would be kind of like the free higher ed for students. So it would um, eliminate tuition if you went to one of the state system schools.
0: Uh, How does this work? I'm I'm really curious about it. How does this work?
1: So um, families with certain incomes would be able to send their children to one of the state system schools, the Pashi schools, without having to pay tuition. Um, And it would be funded through something like the fair share tax, the tax on the upper, uh, the tax on wealth from the wealthiest Pennsylvanians would be used to pay for this. And then you would also, if you wanted to go to Pitt or Penn or one of the state-related universities, you would see a reduced tuition. Um, But because they're not state-owned, they're kind of quasi-private, quasi-state, you would just see a reduction in tuition. That is a system that would um, really create opportunities for all students to be able to access higher And we ed. keep
0: young people in Pennsylvania.
1: Yes, without letting them graduate with, you know, $25,000 or more in or debt. Or more.
0: Or more. Right. It, can get, it can get scary. Uh, are the demographics of the state, is this part of the issue that that same person I talked about earlier who has no skin in the game at this point, is going to resist everything you were talking about.
1: I think we need to do a better job of talking about how all of this benefits our state and benefits the commonwealth and Mm -hmm. benefits our communities. You know, so like I was out in Westmoreland County where they are just hemorrhaging population. Mm -hmm. Like every person who can get out of there is getting out of there. And what it's doing is it's leaving behind pockets of older Pennsylvanians in towns where there is no one, and then there's no tax revenue, and then there's no one to take care of them. So when I was out there talking to business leaders, their advice was, if you want to talk to older Pennsylvanians, say, who's going to pay? pay the taxes to give you the services that you need like your house is going to be worth nothing when you sell it if no one wants to move into this community because the schools aren't any good and so um you know i think there are a lot of older pennsylvanians who have invested in their houses they want to be able to sell them um that's not going to happen in a lot of different places the hard
2: part is so many of them are living social security check to social security check or whatever it might be and the, I, I know as a person that was on city council uh, for a time that, you know, if you raise that just a, a little bit, it it's hard for them right. to cover that. So it's hard to to tell people, look at the big picture when they're just like barely making it month to month. But
1: but so I mean, like for those yeah. people, like why wouldn't they want to advocate for an increase in yeah. In, in income tax because they're not right. paying it like they right. should be the first people they should be on the front line <laughs> saying yeah. raise yeah. taxes for everybody else because it's not going to hurt me but what it's going to do is mean that my property taxes don't have to skyrocket every year yeah, and yeah. also
0: your previous argument get the state to pay what it should be paying
1: right well what's the
0: what's the future look like
1: <laughs> so i think you know we're going to see what happens after this election and then there is an expectation among a lot of people that we are going to get this funding this year, that we are going to see a budget introduced in Harrisburg, and that we're going to have momentum and wind underneath our wings to say, like, look, it's time for you to fix um, what's going on. There is a, a lawsuit going through the courts right now. It's the school funding lawsuit that alleges that the funding system is unconstitutional.
2: Is the Is the makeup of the legislature going to be Are we changing minds there? Because it seems the the makeup of the legislature is going to be about the same, won't it? Um,
1: I don't know. I mean, I think we're going to have to see after the election. I think that there could be some changes. Um, And so I think that we might find some lawmakers who are going to be a little bit more sympathetic.
0: To your point about the lawsuit that has been filed by the Education Law Center and the Public Interest Law Center, challenging the constitutionality of Pennsylvania's education funding system. The lawsuit filed against Pennsylvania Department of Education in 2014 and reinstated by the state Supreme Court alleges the system discriminates against children based on where they live since lower wealth communities cannot keep up with rising costs. Are you part of this lawsuit or what is your understanding of it and where is it?
1: So um, it is now waiting trial in Commonwealth court. So they're doing discovery and they have not scheduled a date, but we expect probably early next year or, you know, sometime in the spring, it will it will go to full trial. And then depending on the finding that could push the legislature to it could force the legislature to um, you know, actually start funding schools.
0: So if they win the lawsuit, the legislature's hand is absolutely forced.
1: It is not absolutely forced, but- Because we
0: watch them fight the gerrymandering. Right. Despite being told by the state Supreme Court, this is what
1: you need to do. Right. Um, I think that the public pressure will be great enough at that point that the lawmakers who want to vote for a tax increase, if they haven't already voted for it, then that would be their excuse to vote for a tax increase. I really think there are a lot of Republican lawmakers in Pennsylvania who really do want to support their public schools, mm-hmm. and they they know that what's going on is unsustainable. And I think it's just going to take just that one big push to get them to fix all of these problems, um, and then then all this all the stuff goes away. All the stuff they don't want to deal with goes away.
0: And if they lose the lawsuit, is there kind of a tipping point for school districts where they're going to collapse under their own weight?
1: There are school districts right now collapsing under their own weight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then they get bailed out every year. You know, Allentown got an extra $10 million this year to help it keep afloat. Um, there's a significant number of um, school districts that are going to go bankrupt in the next couple of years if something doesn't change. And then that also, I think, is going to force the legislature's hand.
0: But a school district can't close. I mean, they, well, it, they, they n- have to – or can they?
1: I mean – You know what? They can say we're going to close and all of our kids are going to go to the neighboring district. You know, they can close all their high schools and send all their kids to neighboring districts. I mean, school districts have already done that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just kind of a question of how much do lawmakers want to have that going on throughout the Commonwealth? Wouldn't they rather fix this problem before that happens?
0: Right, right. All right. Well, that's all the questions I have for you today, Jeremy. Anything from you?
2: I guess that's all the questions I have. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> yeah, and you.
0: the great work you're doing. As you know, he's got a daughter in the school system. I have one in the school system. So personally, I appreciate the work you're doing. Yeah. Um, and thanks so much for coming on the show. We'd like to have you back at some point. Maybe get an update on what's going on. And um, yeah, that's it. Off to you, Jeremy. <laughs> well, I'll just tell people to uh, find us online at
2: progresspod.org. And send us an email to progresspod at gmail.com with your show ideas, questions, whatever. And that's it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.